0: Oh, mm-hmm. my following content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome, everyone. My name is Marina Sprocky-Spriggs, and I have a master's in professional counseling. I am the Ippie award-winning author of Stop Looking for a Husband, Find the Love of Your Life, and Nasty Divorce A Kid's Eye View. I write positive divorce advice for the HuffPost, and I'm trained in clinical hypnosis. And this podcast speaks to out-of-the-box thinkers, and it's for those who hear the call of hope in always another way. And if you're very rigid and set in your beliefs, this is probably not your cup of tea. However, you should note, taste can and do change. And I am so excited to bring on today's guest, who is not just a friend of mine. She is an all-around super cool badass and owner of the newest meditation studio in Dallas that will just blow your mind. So let me tell you about Rachel Fox, Um, she is a certified NLP practitioner, certified hypnotherapist, she has training in cognitive behavioral therapy, flotation therapy, and intensive study in integrative wellness and life coaching, she is the owner of the Refuge Meditation Studio in Fair Park, it is the newest game changer
1: in Dallas, and welcome to the show Rachel. Thank you so much, Marina. And I would be remiss if I didn't state that I am the proud co-owner of the Refuge Meditation. Much love to my younger brother, Alex, who is the other half and perpetual space keeper in that place. So, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Oh, that's right. Sorry, Alex, because Alex is a badass too. <laughs> He's gonna be you know, so excited about to that. To you. So,
0: yeah. Let's well, let's just start talking about that real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I've been there, and then. But I just want to say first, if you've ever been to a place that is not your home, but when you go into it, you're like, this feels like home, that's the place she's got. So besides home, what can people find at the refuge that you cannot find anywhere else in Dallas?
1: Well, you're actually really introducing it well. I feel like the refuge, and forget the refuge, just bring to your mind, you guys listening, any place that you've walked into and you've just felt you felt something more than nothing at all. And maybe that's a place of worship where you walk in and you're like, wow, I just feel like this this really deep gravity, you know, and meaning. Um, Or maybe it's a sports stadium and you feel this like heightened excitement and awareness, you know. And so the refuge is kind of a place where you feel something more than nothing when you walk in. Um, And for me, basically, that's because every single bit of the refuge is a little piece of me too and i say that not in a clichéd way whatsoever but quite literally every bit of it whether it's the instructors or the different items that we have for consignment gemstones jewelry it's all a collaborative effort and i mean that as like basically everything in there is is a friend or family member or some kind of support that's totally loving in my life and it's an amazing place for me to feel all of that together and i think that when people walk in you know it's like walking into any pair of siblings' house. You're like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's awesome. So it's a lot of fun to be there day to day, and I really enjoy the way that the space makes me feel and the way that people make me uh, and themselves feel in the space too. Yes. Definitely co-created.
0: So like, just real quick, what what kind of classes are there?
1: So the refuge is a place for meditation and therapeutic yoga in the main, and meditation in many forms. So deep state meditation, kind of like hypnotherapy, Um, and yoga nidra Uh, and then you also have yoga nidra by the way is yogic sleep for those of you out there who are not you know into sanskrit all the time for sure it is guided rest and relaxation in the form of a body scan and then we do a lot of uh, movement classes that are mainly stretch and restorative yoga so we do a lot of yin modalities um, a lot of stretch and meditation combinations as well so anything to drop you in and chill you out and just generally release the stress. So we're not going to be your, um, your workout yoga studio, you know, your fitness, uh, space. We're going to be the space that lets you unwind and undo and release really in the therapeutic sense.
0: Sweetness. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now I just want to dive in mm-hmm. with all these things that you are going to talk about, mm-hmm. but I'm going to let you flow with it mm-hmm. and just drive it in the order. Cause it's going to make sense <laughs> when you
1: say it. I love that. I love that. So just to start off, um, subtle body energy, and those of you who listened to perhaps my last episode know, I'm the kid who, my parents are West Pointers. They're essentially like, they're not sure what they think about spirituality. I don't know if they, you know, they'd probably be like, yeah, yeah, we have no idea. We're we're not exactly sure what we think. Um, But it was not a part of my upbringing. And all of it has been something I discovered more of like as a kid trying to understand why. You know why is the main question, and that's how I like to understand things: um, is from the really uh, the root basis, answering the question of why. And so for me, the subtle is something that we experience day to day all the time. Uh, in that same way that a space can feel like something more than nothing, so can people and interactions and ideas and events day to day. And so when you get these intense sort of waves of emotion um, and feeling or sensation that come from inside the body. It's not like a smell or a taste or a sight that you can localize and really understand. And it's just physical, basic sense. And so it's like, how do I get my hands around all these emotions that are happening to me? Like, all these kinds of tensions and you know expansions, like what's going on? And so it started for me as an investigation of the subtle in that sense. Why can I feel somebody looking at me? You know, Why when I re-experience a memory in my head, do I re-experience physical emotions that manifest in like the sympathetic, you know, in the parasympathetic, like why does that happen? And so the main concepts that I've really been trying to crystallize, at least enough to communicate and using a lot of different sources. Um, I like to go back through history Is we have this really exciting ability right now to like access all of human knowledge that has happened forever in the past. And it's kind of like unfettered. You can Google and be like, Bleh. You know, and then you can read Plato and you can read Shakespeare and all this stuff is on Google and in libraries. And So for me, it's been this really deep exploration that even, you know, throughout college and high school, I like to do comparative mythology, um, anthropology, psychology, sociology, anything to understand more about what we think. And in a Jungian sense, to me, it comes down to archetype and you know how does that affect us and how does that affect the subtle or what do those things mean what are those concepts you know like love war pain passion you know what do those deep you know kind of archetypical things mean and where do those meanings come from why have they been represented in these different ways and these different modalities across different systems throughout time and what's the fundamental little kernel of universal experience um, in the center of it but the things that i think get uh, talked about a lot in our society now that deal with the subtle are the chakras, chakra system, the ones that go along the body, the rainbow colors, right? We all kind of know about them. And then we all know about astrological signs. You're probably familiar with your sun sign. And perhaps you think it's interesting or you think it's not interesting at all. But those are the two concepts that I find are really prevalent in the public consciousness at this point. So um, for me, that understanding lies in something a whole lot more physical and a whole lot more simple. So I like to get past all the woo. You know, I like woo. Uh I can go there too. I like woo too. (laughs) I like crystals and sparkles and spirits and all that good stuff. But like, all right, let's get down to the brass tacks. Like, why is this happening? Why does it work? And what can I explain, you know? And not just be like, oh, it's enchanted. That's so exciting. Take
0: us there. Even though it is. Let's drive down.
1: Cool. So in terms of basic understanding of the the chakra system, where would you say most people start? Pretty much just like, we know that they're...
0: Yeah, so I think of third eye, mm-hmm. think of your root mm-hmm. chakra, and then heart, and then there's some things in the middle.
1: Yeah, cool, and we hear about them in yoga class and we talk about them, and you're like, yeah, I'm opening my heart chakra, okay, cool. Releasing something, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Why? So for me, the chakras are just areas of energy in the body. And at a very basic level, they come from us and what we're made of. And pretty much everything is made of the same stuff. Got this dope little periodic table of elements that we've understood and classified. And pretty much everything living and, I guess, non-living has elemental makeup. And for us, we're kind of moving around, always changing and shifting in our elemental makeup. We've got a whole lot of stuff living inside of us, right? And everything's kind of moving at a different rate. Um, But we also have something unique. So all things that are actually alive have a source of um, current or electricity within them that animates them. And so for us, that's the heart. We've got actually enough power generated at the heart, you know, that little electric engine to power a small city. So everybody shout out, you're a small city's worth of power. Feel that. Ah, yes. Amazing. And so that electrical, you know, impulse right there is also running up and down the spinal cord. So at a physical level, you know, you've got the system running up and down. The brain has some great impulses that bounce around as well, your thoughts, um, and they're wonderful because they happen at a conscious and subconscious level. And so the subconscious ones that are awesome are the ones that keep you living. So you breathe, right? Yeah. <laughs> your spleen does something, and <laughs> you know, the rest of your body works. But you also, um, this system, albeit uh, in the background, it's happening at the subconscious level, it can result in things that you feel at a conscious level or that draws the conscious awareness. So some basic ones that you know we all know. Say you're having to give a big speech. And you're like, oh, right? Tension in the throat. Yeah. all of a sudden I can't talk. Um, or someone you, you find out, yeah, somebody's passed away. you know yeah. Or you are at a little coffee shop and you're looking up and there's someone cute, and then they're looking back at you, and you're like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. those are good ones." <laughs> and it's this really um, apparent and obvious effect, mm-hmm. and for me... The easiest way to understand this is that this is all, this is this big information superhighway, and we're all experiencing these electromagnetic impulses. And they're coming off of us and other people. So, quite literally, vibes are, are vibes, yeah. they're, they're vibrations. <laughs> it's just that simple. And it's kind of the same reason that when you know someone you know really well, especially, but even someone you don't know, you can walk in somewhere and somebody can, can be in there who's just in a sour mood. Yeah you almost don't even need to talk to them you don't even need to look at them but the same is true like somebody walks into your your space who is absolutely on cloud nine maybe they just got engaged or maybe they just won the lottery or something but they're just like oh my god and they don't even have to tell you either they can walk in and it's those same kinds of feelings that really respond to the different vibrations that we're a part of And the great part is that none of this is permanent. You know, it's all kind of transient. There are these waves, right? That the heart is always going to be beating, but not at the same rate. You know, you're always going to be thinking, but not always at the same rate. You know, that's why when we sleep, we rest, right? Everything slows down, chill, cool. That's why when we do meditation and breath work, we breathe and, and mindfully take this unconscious process of breathing, make it conscious. And then all of a sudden we have this power to relax ourselves. It's exciting, Awesome. But just to basically understand, what are these centers? Why do we call them the names we call them? Well, chakra is a, a name given to these spaces within the body by the kundalini system. And apparently their PR was great because it stuck. And mm-hmm. we, we know it. We, we talk about it. Um, we see references, though, throughout history, and some notable ones being the sacraments in the Bible. They literally correspond with the seven chakras pretty much exactly. And the same is close to true with the sephiroth on the tree of life. Um, The Kabbalistic Tree of Life in Judaism. But for me, the very simplest explanation, the simplest way to understand is to go in the the physical spaces of the human body and then to think about the process of human life. So we start at the root, right, the bottom of the body. And usually the root is is known as the space that's just at the bottom of the pelvis, so kind of like the tailbone area, and also associated with the legs themselves. And so this is associated with birth you know, think about where do we come from, right? Right The birth canal. Whoa. Yeah. We get popped out. And essentially that is, that's our universality. We all have some kind of genitalia. We all have some kind of sexuality, um, or, or some kind of elimination function. You know, these things are required. They're basically, that connects us as a species. We all do that stuff. Everybody does it. I know we do. (laughs) We do. And so it also is associated with infancy when you don't, know your separation. You still have no awareness or self-awareness. The womb is essentially the very beginning. And that's also associated with the root. The womb also is down here. So, hey, cool. Very cool. And then we get a little bit older. So we come to the second chakra or the second space. And that is just a couple of inches below the navel. It's that wide space between the hips. And this space is associated with the first connection. So When we started to become aware of ourselves, it was because there was us and something else outside of us. First, it's kind of mom and dad, and then it starts to be other stuff. But we discern what's going on in the world. We make meaning from that connection and from the alchemy that we do with everything around us. And so if you think about it, most of our sexuality and our deep primal emotions; those things happen in that kind of space. Mm-hmm. So, if we have um, a lot of traumatic experiences sexually, this can be something that um, maybe results in really tight hips. Oh yeah. You know, if we push ourselves too too hard as well in athletics, sometimes we have a tightness or a closeness here. We're not connecting. It's a lot of um, if you think about it. If you think about athletics or any kind of really really intense or disciplined uh, practice. It's a lot of self-focus, so if you're not making enough outside connection, then maybe you can get tight here, too, and then, you know, going forward, so we're aware of ourselves. We're starting to understand what's up with the world, and then we come to the third space, and that's the space just below the meeting of the ribs, kind of that soft space, and it's that same space where, like, you know when sometimes you're, you're about to get into a fight or something, there's some drama going on. It's like that, whoa. <sighs> It's that space in you that gets activated. Maybe your family's being threatened. You're like, uh-uh, yeah. no way. I'm jumping into action. Well, that's this space. This is also associated with adolescence. Ah. So it's the time when we fully comprehend our power. When you come into, in puberty, an avatar that allows you to be fully operant in the world. And you're like, all right, now I have agency. I can go do stuff and make things happen on my own. Yeah. So it's associated with will and power. And then we've got the heart space. And that's the space in the middle of the chest. It's one that people know pretty well because we often have a lot of tension and relaxation there day to day. So maybe we get really excited and we swell up and maybe we get really small and embarrassed and we curl in. And so we'll see that too in the shoulders and the chest. We have a lot of tightness in the chest, especially working on computers, right? We get that almost like, you know, iron chains over the shoulders thing and do this. So basically, this is a space um, associated with the emotional body. So the first three are really associated with the physicality of humans, these subconscious processes. Like the sexuality, um, the just basic elimination, hunger, that kind of stuff, digestion. So, all the basic human functions. The heart is when we get into emotionality. And that's associated with traditionally marriage or falling in love. But it's that time when you recognize somebody else's being as, as worthy or as interesting as your own. Mm-hmm. And it's the same reason that we do things like run into fires, you know, or. Um, You know sacrifice ourselves to help another person or save another person it's that understanding of the self within another so the recognition of the soul so when you get old enough and you're like oh okay cool we're more than just like people and pawns like i feel i feel for us i feel something and then we have the space of the throat so that's kind of just the center of the throat but for all of these feel where you you feel a centeredness or some kind of epicenter Um, Usually it's somewhere along the spinal cord, but it could be different for for everyone, um, just depending on how you feel. With everything that I say, if you feel something different in your body, you're right, because I'm not you. So I have no idea what's going on. This is your first-hand experience. But anyway, the center of the throat is associated with adulthood, and it's the time when we come into our full-fledged adulthood, and we are able to, even though we feel stuff, so emotional body, and we experience um, primal urges, that physical body, that we then have the willpower to do other things. So no matter how I'm feeling about it, even if I'm super petrified, I can do it afraid. So maybe courage, you know, some of these um, virtues start to come out when we can overcome. You know what, we can run into that fire, no matter if we're scared, because we have this other desire to save, you know, and that supersedes. So this is, um, this is a space where we get often tight. We have some wounds here, because sometimes we don't always say what we feel right? We don't always tell the truth. And we're not in always there. encouraged to, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Society doesn't know what... Like kids, do you think most of them in grade school tell you the truth all the time? No. <laughs> but do you think that if they did in class, that anything would get done? Yeah. Like, no. Anyway. So that, that said, we move on to the third eye, another kind of popularized space in modern culture. And this space is associated with um, being much older. So if you know anybody who is naturally aging or close to death, but somebody who's just really clear. They spend time with the people that they love and want to spend time with. They know what they value. They know how they want to be. Um, it's just this clarity that comes with a recognition of um where do I find meaning? You know, where do I find value? And then seeing past illusions. So seeing past um, you know, the glitz and the glamour, seeing past bright lights and seeing what's actually important to you not just the society around you and so that's the third eye essentially Um, we see this a lot like I said in older people and then there's the crown and the crown is the crown is a lovely mystery it's kind of what comes after so maybe if you've been really lucky and you've got to spend time with somebody transitioning naturally it's that whatever that is um, the bridge from one place into another, it's quite mythic, and we all have our own opinions about what happens, but I've not quite been there, so I don't know.
0: haven't either, um, or maybe I have, and I just don't remember.
1: Yeah, and all of these things, so one through seven, are associated with the rainbow of colors, um, and they're associated with those things for many, many reasons. Um, but really, just think about the archetypical significance of color, and forget even, you know what? No. How does red make you feel? Hmm. You know, like that, that is really why red is associated with the root. You know, how does purple make you feel differently? You know, that is why it's associated with the crown. How have we used red and purple throughout time? Mm. You know, and where have we seen those colors and how do we value them in nature? What is rare and common in nature? You know, I learned actually this past week that blue was the last word to emerge in language, the last color word. Because, one, it's, it's the rarest true color. Uh-huh. Indigo is most often what's found um, in nature. But also because the word for water and sky was usually being used for blue.
0: Oh, wow. Because
1: it was the only kind of blue thing that was around. But even just things like that, you know, blue being a rare color, totally changes how we experience it. Yeah. You know? And so all these things come back to that rooted place. And for me, the study of them is the most interesting, and the study is only done on you and yourself. So it's best to be able to observe, right? How am I feeling? What am I feeling in this space? Hey, yeah, I'm banging around my legs. Maybe what does that mean? Am I going through something? Am I being uprooted? Maybe am I changing profession? Am I changing you know, deep foundational relationships? Um, these things, you start to see a correlation Um, And I highly recommend, just on this topic, for listeners to check out uh, The Anatomy of the Spirit by Dr. Carolyn Miss. She gives a great, great in-depth rundown of the chakra system on a much, much more in-depth physical level than I can do on this podcast. But she does a really uh, great job on that. And I think that, you know, it helps with self-knowledge, right? It helps to, to better understand your own body when you recognize that some of these sensations, they're just information for you. Yeah the same as smelling a burning fire you're like ah that's happening and just when you pay attention paying attention totally so the only other thing that i want to make sure that everybody gets a little taste of before we move on to some other questions is the astrological science because this is something that i'm super deeply passionate about mostly because i'm the daughter of a statistician a quantitative marketing professor at southern methodist university so like this is this is from a place of like if you are somebody who likes numbers, you will like this. Just like give astrology a second. And and let me just start off with saying, hey, the moon moves the water, right? The polar moon, the polarity of the moon moves the polar molecule of the water. And it moves it very far. So tides come in and out, and that's visible to us. And so just extrapolate from that the celestial bodies around us and how their gravity perhaps affects the polar fluid that makes up most of our body, you know, and then just think about perhaps the fact that we don't understand this or it's not common. Doesn't mean it's not interesting or important just because current scientific investigation isn't popular in this area. In the past, Plato would have laughed at you if he thought you didn't understand basic astrology or astronomy and you were at all a scientist in any way or a doctor, quite frankly. Same with Aristotle, (laughs) right? Uh right? Yeah. So the basic uh, understanding that I have of astrology comes just from the own uh, the, the, the meaning I've been able to make from the houses and the signs themselves. So to give a really basic understanding, 12 signs in the Western Zodiac, starting with Aries, right? All the way to Pisces is the last one. And they all, um, we know them. We know mostly our sun sign, but our charts are a whole lot more complex than that. So if you have any interest in your chart, check out all of your planetary placements. You can get these for free. Astro.com is amazing. They have a bunch of different tables and planets. Try Astro Map World if you're really nerding out. Uh And try CoStar, the app. They can also, uh, if you put in your Facebook, super easy. You don't even have to do anything. You just sign up. It's free. And you can see who else of your friends are secret astrology nerds because they might be on there too. Oh, cool. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so you check out all your planets and then just start to relate the archetypical meaning of the planets. So think about myth associated with Mercury, myth associated with Venus, Mars, you know. Oh, Venusian, love, passion, cool, Aphrodite, oh, Mars, oh, Aries, war, okay, Uh, movement, motion, red, uh, you know, orange. We have these different meanings that are associated with planets that we already know. So just confer literally everything you already know upon those planets. And then you make the meanings from the signs this way. So there are 12 signs, and they're in four elements. So earth, air, water, and fire. Again, confer your own meaning upon those signs. You can think of them as states of matter, too. So you can think of them as uh, like solid, liquid, fire, and air. So those all have their own elemental qualities. You can think of them, too, in the way that they're broken up into three parts, which is fixed, one dimensional, cardinal, directional, two dimensional, and then mutable, which is all three dimensions, so flexible. And then you have the, the signs or the planets themselves that they're associated with. So which planets are they ruled by? And what does a constellation mean in the sky? And once you take all these meanings at once, you can just confer those properties of the state of matter, the type of matter, right, and its condition. And then there you go. Just as an example to wrap up, because I know that we're running a little short on time. First symbol in the zodiac, Aries. It is a cardinal fire sign. So think about directional fire. Think about a spark. Think about a match. Think about ignition. Think about one as a number and its properties. And there you go. You know, you can just keep going that way, and it really becomes easier to, uh, to make meaning that makes sense to you. So if anybody at all is excited about the idea of geeking out, Please do that. And please feel free to contact me for more information too.
0: Yes. And so we got to run out of time, but you know where to find Rachel at therefugedallas.com. And she will go into more and more of this. And you have workshops. Sure. Tons of them. The schedule is mm-hmm. on her website.
1: Mm-hmm. Check her out in your other website name for people to find you too. So we are refugedallas.com and I am rachelrfox.com as well.
0: Thank you so much, Rachel. I mean, Thank
1: I could you. talk to you for like hours. I could probably talk at you for hours, I think. But
0: we're <laughs> out of time, so you know, everyone, there is always another way.